It is Locked on Jazz for the 9th of July. Will Dwayne Wade change who comes to the Utah Jazz and the players that we can acquire? What is the best position for Donovan Mitchell? Or more importantly, what's the best kind of player to put next to Donovan Mitchell? And how the Phoenix Suns are going to alter the way teams approach roster building. Those are all the things coming up next on Locked on Jazz. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. This week is our first full week of live on YouTube, as well as all of our regular podcast channels for you. It's added a little twist, a little different to the show. Hopefully you're liking it and you can grab the show live. Remember, we will be heading entirely to YouTube here shortly. So if you're listening on Facebook or on Periscope or on Twitch, please go to YouTube and subscribe and follow Locked On Live right now. It will be Locked On Jazz. How are you? I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, We'll talk about the NBA Finals in our third segment. We'll take any questions that come in on the live chat room as well coming up. Um, The one question I kind of keep getting everywhere I am, and um, I always tell our hosts on Locked On to make sure you play the hits. And I think this is the hit that every Jazz fan wants to know, which is, is Dwayne Wade going to change who the Jazz are able to acquire? Our perception of who we are and who the Jazz are able to hire. And I wanted to take kind of a hypothetical run at that, if I could, to open the show today. I thought that's, um, and it's it's an interesting question. Um, Along the way. Today's show, by the way, is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. The first thing is Wade's just presence. So he's at the Sparks uh, Aces game the other day with with Damian Lillard and LeBron James. He's, He's at the NBA Finals last night with all the other celebrities. He heads down to the Surfside uh, tragedy in Miami um, he does, you know, and leaves a note and and pays respects. He's he's that prominent a person. So the more that Dwayne Wade gets connected to the Utah Jazz and the more prominent he is, the more it does change our perception. So the first question is, does it change the perception of who the Jazz are? And I think unquestionably, you know, both the work that Ryan Smith is doing as an owner and the addition of Dwayne Wade and what that is both and, and I think it's important that we don't use the phrase symbolic because there's actually nothing symbolic about Dwayne Wade's ownership of the Utah Jazz. He is truly doing the work. He is a part of the organization. You know, Ryan Smith talked to him like, you get the whole package. If you're going to be an owner, I'm, I'm going to have you actively involved. This is not some thing where we're just going to put you up on billboards. You're going to be engaged, involved, but you're also going to, you got the whole thing. You don't just get the good stuff. You got to deal with all of it. And I'm pretty certain he's tasted that already uh, in this process. So, you know, I think that 
you know, in that sense, just that is, I think, the perception of the Jazz as being a different organization in some ways um, and evolving in a different manner, 100%. There's, there's no question. So the perception of the Utah Jazz, but it's not just perception. It's actually the reality of Utah Jazz is that Ryan Smith is younger, hipper, more connected, you know, I don't, you know, doing amazing things and in the business world, much more flamboyantly, you know, out to the world of a business person than the Millers who were more kind of home and, you know, quieter. And then that leads to connections like Dwayne Wade. And I'm sure, and, and the, you know, the, the two people below Ryan Smith on the ownership totem pole for the jazz are incredibly high powered one out of Australia, one out of Silicon Valley people. I mean, like wildly, crazily successful, but connected uh, and, and brilliant business people with every connection in the world. So the Utah jazz are now in the forefront of that. So all of those things are changing the perception of who the Utah jazz are. Now the down and dirty part of it is it, is it going to change who we can acquire as a player. Now it doesn't give us any cap rules or, you know, anything like that. What it does do, I think is puts us in the conversation. So I do think Dwayne Wade's presence coupled with all the other parts of Ryan Smith's ownership means that when there is a situation in where the money is the same. um, So now on a buyout or on a, mid-level exception or something of that sort, um, I think you'll have a player be willing to talk to the Utah Jazz who maybe wasn't willing to talk to the Utah Jazz in the past. Now, frankly, Joe Johnson came, right? That was a pretty big moment in franchise history that that Joe Johnson came. It's a pretty big moment that Derek Favors returned. Um, We may have paid Derek, you know, more than um, I think his market was, it doesn't sound like New Orleans was there. I'm not sure he's getting full mid-level. So we brought him back because he brought intrinsic value to us as well as other things um, and paid him. Um, but it, what we're really asking is, you know, we paid Carlos Boozer more. We paid Mehmet Okor more than the market. We may have paid Joe Johnson more than the market, or at least in that case, there were three or four players that were on the market. Solomon Hill, I can't remember who the other two were. And the Jazz jumped in the right direction. The Jazz jumped aggressively toward Joe Johnson and said to him, like, hey, you're our guy. Um, they did the same thing uh, when Darko Milicic uh, decided to stay. Not Darko Milicic. Um, I've done this twice now. Um, I can't remember his name right now because he's not Darko Milicic. He's a six foot ten shooter that everyone liked who went to Europe and didn't stay. And so we didn't sign him and we quickly pivoted to Boyan Bogdanovich and were able to sign him. I think we offered Boyan an extra year and more money than anyone else. So the fact is that, you know, it wasn't like our franchise was some taboo, terrible place to be that if you offered more money with this brilliant head coach and a front office and groups heading in the right direction, that, you know, suddenly nobody wanted to come. That's not where we were. What we what we didn't haven't been able to get is Nicholas Batum as a buyout candidate, Reggie Jackson, I don't think we tried, on a buyout candidate to come to Utah instead of going to LA, Miami, or one of those places on a buyout. Now, uh, Nikola Miritich, thank you very much. I appreciate the live audience today after yesterday struggling with a live show. It's helpful today. So I think that when you when you see when you talk about this now. I don't know that we're going to go get somebody who could have could go to L.A. instead, right? Like L.A. is a pretty vastly different place if you're a 32-year-old multimillionaire 
than Salt Lake City, Utah. Maybe if you have a family and you want to stay, sometimes these buyouts are short. You know, Trevor Booker loved it in Utah. Like we've got the story. It, again, it's not a taboo place, but frankly, most teams in the league, Denver's not grabbing, you know, veteran buyout candidates either. So will Dwayne, that's where Wade would have the impact to me, is if Dwayne Wade, I think we've reached the level of status where we can be in the conversation already. We've reached the level of status where it's not a taboo place where Ronnie Cycli's like going to ban a trade and Derek Harper saying, you go to Utah. I think we're over that stage. So the next stage in this process would be, can we reach a level in which a player gets the opportunity and suddenly looks at Quinn Snyder and that coaching staff, looks at Dwayne Wade and Ryan Smith in this ownership, looks at our front office, looks at Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and says, you know what? That's a better opportunity for me to go make a, you know, decide to go play in Utah than it is to go play for the Clippers or the Lakers or the Denver Nuggets or, or the Portland Trailblazers. But if we're, if we're Frank, right? Like what we're asking Dwayne Wade's impact to do that when we say that is, will we be different is we're actually asking him to do something that Portland is not getting players on a buyout market very often. Denver's not getting players on a buyout market very often. So it's, it's super difficult to go get players on the buyout market. Phoenix acquired Torrey Craig, didn't go get somebody on the buyout market. They, they made a trade for that player. So if, if that's where Wade's impact is going to be, that's a, that's a steep hill to climb. I think perception and image of the organization is bigger, but that I think still comes back to the same thing we've seen over the years with Carlos and Mehmet and Boyan Bogdanovich, et cetera. And if you, in Joe Johnson, if you have more money, you can sign a free agent. If you don't have more money, there's very few circumstances where a player is coming to st- play with you for less money than he can get somewhere else. That almost never happens. And I think that, um, you know, uh, I think that is, the, you know, the same thing goes for Mike Conley. Like if we don't offer as much money as everyone else, I, I don't know that what uh, players don't usually stay for less money. Okay. It's like Derek didn't take a discount to come back to Utah. He came back to Utah because that was the best money on the table for him. And it was, and therefore the situation, which was unique that he wasn't playing as much was okay. But that's, that's the fact. It has a lot to do with um, that so that's my uh, quick take on Dwayne Wade's impact. I think there's a great conversation about Donovan Mitchell that came up earlier this week on our chat of like, is Donovan ready to be point guard? I want to flip the conversation into like what players next to Donovan Mitchell maximize his skills. That would be the conversation that I want to have with you uh, coming up here on a Friday edition of Locked On Jazz um, live as well um, coming to you as we. Um, on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, and Twitter. As I mentioned, please go subscribe to Locked On Live, which will become Locked On Jazz on YouTube because this will eventually only be up on YouTube for you. But certainly glad to have you in whatever format you're listening to us um, right now. All right, let's. Uh, today's show is brought to you by my good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. It is Murdoch Hyundai with the great lineup of cars. I'm driving the Sonata right now. I just finished with the Elantra. The sedans, you know, I talk so much about the SUVs. We've purchased two of them. Um, so that's probably why I make so many comments about that. We've purchased the Santa Fe twice. But I'm driving the Elantra and uh, I drove the Elantra, which was the North American car of the year. And I've told you a lot about it. I was just blown away. $26,000 was the car I was driving. It was just incredible. I'm now driving the Sonata. 
Um, and it is the nicer version of the sedan. And it's just a, it's a great family car. It's got, it's big. It could fit five easily. The gas mileage is fabulous. It's really incredible the cars they've made and how solid they are. The SUV lineup is amazing. Kona, Tucson, Santa Fe, and Palisade. They've got some hybrids and some electrics for you. I drove the Kona electric the other day. It was cute and fun and certainly did all the things you wanted electric cars. And the sedans are the Elantra and the Sonata. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. Also located in Logan and in Linden. And if you get a chance, go ahead and just email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. And I'll set you up. Uh, with a meeting over there and give you a uh, first-class VIP experience at any of the three Murdoch locations. Have you ordered your Grasshopper Cookie Bar protein bar from Built Bar yet? The Grasshopper Cookie Bar with real cookie pieces. It's the thin mint cookie of protein bars. The Grasshopper Cookie is available, 100% real chocolate, 100% delicious, only available for a limited time. I've already made my order of two boxes. They have been shipped and they will be arriving. 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, four net carbs, four grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. It's one of the special flavors at Built Bar. Jump on it now. It's Grasshopper Cookie with the promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15. You get 15% off. That's locked 15. I think there's been some confusion on that. At least that's what my emails have told me. So want to make sure you have that right. Locked 15 at built.com. All right. So Donovan Mitchell's incredible. And it's an interesting question of like, what is the right player to play next to Donovan Mitchell? Now, let me make sure that the right player for the Jazz probably to have next to Donovan Mitchell is Mike Conley because he's the best player that we can easily acquire. But I'm just kind of wondering, like, if you were just putting a player next to the 25-year-old Donovan Mitchell, who, you know, really is capable of averaging 30 points a game at some point here, if you if you want to let him. Um, what is the best player? So there's a bunch of different schools of thought on this. Um, you know, on on one level, you he I mean this he's incredible. He averaged 32 points, four rebounds, and six assists in the pre in the postseason. So, you know, over an 82 game schedule, can he put out that kind of effort and score 30? I don't know, but I think he probably could. So there's a few things on Donovan. So one on a defensive side of things, it'd be great to go get a big physical six four, six five, six six, six seven guard that plays next to Donovan that you can match up on the opposing team's point guard and let Donovan hide a little bit. Okay. So that would be great. You know, with that sprained ankle, Donovan was not a particularly good defensive player in the playoffs. Like um, he, he also, you like, you know, you listen to Dame Lillard yesterday in his media session for the Olympics and Dame Lillard says, I'm excited to not have as big an offensive role and be able to show people I'm a good defensive player. Like there's no question that when you have to carry the offensive load that Dame Lillard or Donovan Mitchell has to, that you're resting on the defensive end. Like, that's reality. You can't do it any other way. Devin Booker was doing that for a long time and still probably is. And he's had his burden or lead by having this incredible, one of the four great point guards of all time, you know, next to him in how he's playing. And that, you know, I think helps him offensively. Donovan is six one, and so there's some limitations on what he can do as a shooting guard offensively. But so we start defensively. That's my answer defensively. From a defensive standpoint, the perfect scenario next to Donovan 
is some massively long player that can go grab and guard their number one option. Royce O'Neal can guard their number one or two option, and Donovan can slide over and guard somebody who's you know a spot-up shooter and rest defensively. That's that's the ideal if you're putting Donovan Mitchell, um, if you're building a roster, just ignoring salary cap and everything else, of what would be the best thing you could put next to Donovan Mitchell from a defensive standpoint, that's easy. From an offensive standpoint, I actually don't know. I think it's really – it's a tribute to how great Donovan is that this answer is not easy. It might be irrelevant. He's that good offensively. So there's two sides to the story. One is, do you want to have like a C.J. McCollum next to him the way Dame Lillard does so that when they double team and try to take the ball out of your hands, you have somebody who can make a play and can really shoot it and create himself and, frankly, you know what Mike Conley can do, that if you – you know, the Clippers could not, every time Reggie Jackson got on Donovan, they brought a double. They couldn't have done it if Mike Conley was on the floor in that series because of the fact that he, you know, that's just, that's the way he, um, it gives you another ball handler, another shooter, and now you're playing four on three. So, you know, that's what Dame Lillard's had in C.J. McCollum all this time. And in one sense, that seems like the perfect answer. Like a, my, another shooter, another ball handler, relieve the burden from, Donovan, so he doesn't have to, when he's double teamed, another scorer. Um, that seems like a perfect The other answer to me, though, is a true point guard. Because the one thing on Donovan that I think is is really interesting is that he's just one of the great shooters in the league. And it's, you frankly could run Clay Thompson, Kyle Korver, Devin Booker, weak side pin down actions for him, get him going. When Donovan's had a hard time, Quinn's done a nice job along the way of of freeing Donovan by giving him the advantage off the ball. And I actually think sometimes that more of that would be better for Donovan. If he doesn't have the burden of bringing the ball up, he doesn't have to make that decision. You have a point guard who brings it up. You hit Donovan on a, on a pin down. So the pick and roll is almost started. He either works it into a catch and shoot three, the way Clay Thompson would, or he works it into a mid, a low pick and roll the way a Chris Paul or Devin Booker does. And he's playing without, he's playing with advantage. He's working in that level. And I want a true point guard who's making those kind of plays for him and then can shoot back out. And then that's Mike Conley at his perfection. The the other idea is kind of that you actually want a really good shooter. This kind of goes back to your big defender shooter type player. So that Donovan's playing point guard. That really you're running high and roll, high pick and roll with Donovan most of the time. The game, Kevin Arnovitz and Kevin Pelton wrote an article about this on ESPN this week that the game's gotten very much to that. Um, that you end up with a a a point guard who you know or some, uh, high pick and roll in every play instead of running it off the manner which I'm talking about it. You, you could still do both with Donovan. Frankly, is that Donovan when you want to you. I think, and we did plenty of it, but, you know, Donovan ran 33% of our pick and rolls this year. I think, I think Joe ran about 33% and Mike ran about 33%. That might not be entirely right, but that's close. Like I think when it got right down to it, like by the end of the year with Mike's injuries and everything else. And so that's not a per game number. That's a, um, that's a, you know, a, uh, for the season number, that's the way it came out by the end of the years. I think Donovan, the actual answer on our pick and rolls is Donovan ran 28%. Joe ran 22%. Mike ran 22%. And Jordan Clarkson ran 14%. Um, you know, Donovan ran about 2,000 pick and rolls. Joe ran about 1,600. And Mike ran about 1,600. Um, you know, do you want that number? So let's say out of, out of just kind of doing a quick scan of that, there's about 6,000 pick and rolls available for the Jazz. 
in this season, do you suddenly want that number for Donovan to be 4,000 instead of 2,000? And he just becomes your point guard. Chris Paul ran 3,100 this year. Devin Booker ran 1,600. Cameron Payne ran 1,000. Um, you know, let's like the guy who, you know, I would assume that Trey Young ran the most pick and rolls of anyone in the league or, and he ran 4,000. Donovan ran the eighth most amount of pick and rolls. So it's not like Donovan was short in this. He ran 2,000 pick and rolls this year, which is the eighth most. He's running 46 of them per 100 possessions. Um, and the next tier would be you're changing Donovan from a 2,000 point guard pick and roll player a year to 3,000. Really, that's the jump. So you're you're adding another 10 or 12 pick and rolls a game for Donovan because you're moving him as the primary ball handler. He's now in Dame Lillard, Chris Paul, Luka Doncic, Trey Young category. Like that's now how he's playing. John Morant will probably be there shortly. Um, and that and and right now he's not. Right now we spread it out a little bit more. So is that the answer? And um, you know that's probably the simplest way to look at it. Like I I don't know on Donovan. I mean yes I think he probably could run three thousand pick and rolls in a season. I also think he's one of the great shoot. Every time he's got the ball in his hands he can't play catch and shoot. And <clears throat> he's the number two catch and shoot player in the NBA over the last four years. If I want more out of Donovan, I probably want some more wide pin downs where he's getting the ball out on the wing on a catch and shoot off a pick where they're going under or they're switching if they're, or they're, you know, Rudy's setting the pick. And so they're big drops and Donovan comes with a, a catch and shoot squaring his shoulders with his incredible strength and playing in that, in that little bit Devin Booker-esque um, way more than Chris Paul-esque. Uh, but it's an interesting question. So that's, I think the defensive one's really simple. You just want a big, huge physical guy you can put next to him which then leads you to that he's running 3,000 pick and rolls a game and he's just dominating the ball in that way. And then gets to another question of whether, you know, he's got the passing skills to be able to do that. At six foot one, those passing skills are hard. This is where Trey Young is truly brilliant. And, you know, Chris Paul is obviously great. And then Luca's at six nine. He can find any window you want. And so he just, you know, question of whether or not Donovan can evolve his passing game, which I think seems to be getting better and better every year. Donovan just evolves. He gets better and better every year. So interesting discussion kind of on what's best for Donovan. I think for the Jazz right now, the best answer is Mike Conley because that's what you have available to you. But if you don't get Mike Conley, then maybe you are shifting Donovan to a 3,000 pick and roll point guard a season and, you know, and making the move. And then let's just be honest about what the com next conversation has to be. If Mike Conley's market goes big and is suddenly $30 million, $30 million point guard for two or three years at 32 years old, how much worse are you if Donovan Mitchell's playing point guard running 33,000 pick and rolls a game a year and you really become, and he's become Dame Lillard for your team offensively. And what can you do to build around it? with limited cap space, are you actually maybe better? Because that third year at 30 million, even that second year at 30 million could be really uh, dramatically bad for the Jazz. So those are some interesting conversations there um, for you to look at. Let's look at what the line says now at betonline.ag after game two of the finals. I've got some thoughts on that, and I'll take your questions as well. Um, Phoenix was, was, was really super last night. Uh, Phoenix is now... Um, a minus 475 to win the NBA title. Wow. The Phoenix Suns, total, you know, Milwaukee's got to beat them four out of five. It's almost impossible. 
um, at this point. Uh, in the U19s, by the way, uh, Turkey is a nine and a half point favorite over Japan today, and Serbia is ahead of Argentina. The WNBA, you can play. Um, the Aces and the Lynx play. The Storm continue. They're going up. It's Di- Sue Bird versus Diana Tarazi in the OG matchup. Um, Major League Baseball continuing as well. Uh, and then there's some NBA draft first round uh, bets you can make that are taking place. And you can also get involved uh, with all the baseball stuff that's taking place. The Giants, the surprise story, great Midwest rivalry today with the Cubs and the Cardinals with a 12-20 first pitch. Uh, that you might want to jump on. It's all at betonline.ag. Promo code locked on gets you a 50% welcome bonus. That's a 50% welcome bonus on uh, at betonline.ag. That, by the way, uh, gives you, you know, free money. Uh, Dodgers, Astros, White Sox, Padres, Mets are still the five favorites to win the World Series in Major League Baseball right now, according to betonline.ag. Dodgers, Astros, White Sox, Padres, and the Mets. All right, let's get some of your questions. Also, I want to talk about Phoenix. Um, There's a lot of talk out there about Lonzo Ball, which is interesting. He is, I think, a restricted free agent, if I remember correctly. Um, And there's also a lot of talk about don't bring his dad. I got to be honest with you. Like, I'm tired of that talk. Like, why? The guy was right. The guy was loud and rambunctious and obnoxious and all these things about, you know, um, his kids and what they're, he's right. Like he just had the rookie of the year. He just had another one. Like he's right. He built two NBA players and like he's branded himself. Like what is so wrong? I have, I find nothing wrong with LeVar Ball, honestly. Like, and I think that actually, you know, I think we should be careful on what we're analyzing there. Um, So I, I find nothing. Um, I, I think it's very interesting. I, I'll, I'll leave this for a deep thought for you. Um, active, active African American, active black parents of athletes get depicted in unusually negative landscape by predominantly white media over the years. Richard Williams is a great example of this with Venus and Serena. I mean, he really raised two incredible women athletes, but also business people. And they didn't crack. Well, Tracy Austin, Clenning Bassett, every other young Jennifer Capriotti cracked. Yet no one was ever blasting their parents the way Richard Williams got annihilated in the media. So just chew on that one for a little bit and see what you think of it. You can think it's wrong. Yeah, here's what David David, I think Don is better off the ball. We need someone who can initiate the offense. I think Don is overused, too much dribbling, not enough running the offense. He's a scorer, not a facilitator. Interesting. Del Toledo says with his daily drop-in, I saw a CJ McCollum for Clarkson Ingles pick. Seems like perfect. I don't see the why the Blazers would do the deal. Uh, the Blazers would do the deal because they get bigger. We'd be really small. Um, I'm assuming that means we're not re-signing Mike Conley at that point. Um Here's a, uh, hey, Glock, is Lonzo a possibility as a free agent if Mike leaves? Good size, good defender, good playmaker, and now Lonzo's shooting much better. We don't have the money to be able to offer them a deal that would get Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball's a restricted free agent, so any offer we make, they would be able to match. We He's going to want $25 million. We don't have any way to come up with a $25 million deal. Um, over on Twitch, but make sure you please the only – uh, 
make sure you uh, do grab uh, over at YouTube, please, and subscribe. I like the idea of Donovan hiding on the defensive end, but in order to be more than an all-star, he needs to be stronger and quicker defensive player. Um, yeah, maybe in the playoffs. I mean, honestly, part of this is getting through 82 games. And the load management conversations about is, is incorrect. Watch an NBA game today. Follow a player on the defensive end for 10 straight possessions and watch how much they have to move, rotate, shift, change, close out. Go watch an NBA game from 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and 30 years ago and watch the same thing. It's astronomically different what we're asking out of our players against better athletes. And that's why the injuries are up. So, yeah, maybe Donovan in the playoffs needs to be a better defensive player, but I'm not about to criticize Donovan's defense, which wasn't very good in game six against the Clippers when he's playing on one leg. Like, um, you know, that that I would tell you is um, – so I, I – right? Do you, you hear me? Spencer Morgan over on YouTube, what's best for Donovan's putting a guard next to him that is lengthy, wing defender, ball handling would be a huge plus with that too. Hey, and if he could shoot, and if he could beat you one-on-one, and then he's Paul George. No, Spencer's right. I mean, it's all – this is a really good discussion, and that's the opinion, um, you know – on what you think uh, is the answer for what's best to do- next to Donovan. And as I said, I, I actually don't know. I mean, an all-star, which we have in Mike Conley, is probably the best, right? So, so the idea that I just presented two different cases and they're not dr- dramatically different, and then it's probably just the answer is what, whoever the best player you can get, right? Like if it, it's it's like if I can go get Reggie Bullock and play him next to Donovan, playing Mike Conley next to Donovan is better because Mike Conley's better. Right? Like, that's better. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie says he wants a five-year, $125 million deal. We don't have any real way to get him that five-year, $125 million deal. Um, But it's an interesting thing. All right, a few thoughts on the sun. Dinwiddie's interesting to me. Like, he's big. He's long. He's coming off an ACL. He's not actually athletic. um, But he's he's got some things that are kind of fun to that. Um, A few thoughts on last night. I, I think the Suns have just played brilliantly. I mean, they've just been brilliant. Uh, and we all want to talk about how we should be the Suns. At, at this point, I'm actually just tipping my hat. Uh, they've just been absolutely great. Um, they are making every big shot. They don't have a weakness. They're putting 240 minutes of quality NBA basketball out on the floor the whole time. Booker was incredible last night. That was their sh- shot-making night. Um, you know, they're 20 of 40 from three, so they, they won one with shot-making. Um, and boy... Milwaukee, the minute Giannis was not on the floor for a little while because he cramped, and the minute Drew Holiday went out for a little while, which I think was just regular rotation, not because of two fouls, like Mark Jackson said, they they just have these lulls. Milwaukee just does not give 240 minutes of effort out there. Like, it's interesting to watch. And there was a play in each of the last two nights there have been plays where guys have not run back defensively. Um and then interesting number, Phoenix is 13-0 and when they have a 10-point lead. And that's just because they do not have weaknesses. They do not put bad lineups on the floor. Their effort is remarkable. Every single one of their players is at least average offensively, as we talked about earlier this week on points gained. Um, so really, um, you know, I think that that's, that's – they've just been wildly impressive. That, that's my take. All right, that wraps up the week. Thank you very much. Hope everyone's great. Thank you for those of you who listened to three episodes or more this week. I appreciate the loyalty. Tell your friends to do so as well. It leads for better conversations over the weekend about the NBA if they listen to the show. Have a great one. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll talk to you Monday. I'm 
out and about everywhere for the next four weeks at various golf tournaments or meetings in Virginia or vacation in Hawaii. Um, so I'm going to try to get as many shows out as I can, but it could be a little funky. So I'll do the best I can. Maybe I'll just do them from the deck in Hawaii with a backdrop of the ocean and still do live shows and then see if my wife leaves me. And that would be bad. All right. See you guys. Talk to you soon.